Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Lauren and Kanal to talk with us about type systems in JavaScript. Lauren and Kanal, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Hi, my name is Lauren, and I am an engineering manager on the Netflix Studio engineering team. Um, I've, I used to work uh, at a software consultancy in uh, Boston, uh, and I think one of the things I've really enjoyed about coming to Netflix is, uh, you know, like the culture and the kind of work we're doing in the studio engineering world. My favorite drink that I'm having right now is our ciders. Right? I'm not really much of a beer person, uh, but I do like ciders. Uh, and I think my favorite cider is uh, a Swedish brand called Copperberg. They have this really great elderflower and lime cider. Like these really strange flavors, in my opinion, but they're amazing. Very refreshing. Now I want to try one. Hi, um, I'm Kunal. Uh, I'm a software engineer at uh, Jabari Solutions. Um, so Jabari Solutions is basically a clearinghouse, a middleman uh, between um, healthcare providers and payers. Um, and my uh, my um, favorite um, alcoholic <laughs> um, happy hour beverage would be um, a beer called um, Prankster. Prankster? Yeah. Awesome. Do you know where it's made? Um, Fort Worth, I think, somewhere in the U.S., yeah. All right, well, let's also give introductions of the panelists. Ryan, you want to start off? Sure. I'm Ryan Aklum. I'm a software engineer here at Netflix. Uh, Jim Young, software engineer at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we'd like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Functional. 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 All right. If anyone from now on says the word functional, we will all take a drink. All right. Let's jump right in. What are static type systems? Like what, what, are, we, what are we talking about? So static type systems, in my opinion, are uh, really interesting concepts that have originated from mathematics. And even though a lot of us, like if we're writing JavaScript or Ruby or any of these like new dynamic languages, we think that we don't deal with types, but we actually do. And you have a type system that actually runs uh, in the runtime, right? So a static type system just means that you check your types when you compile your code and you don't uh, necessarily want to check them only at runtime. Um, and the interesting thing about static type systems is that they've really originated from uh, functional programming. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Uh, they originate from functional programming uh, and even beyond uh, functional programming, but mathematics, right? Type systems are about a combination of like type theory, category theory, uh, logic theory, and they bring together these concepts to uh, help you define constraints in your code so that you know that like when you are writing a function, for example, you know exactly what you're going to get uh, and you don't have to. You know, only check that at runtime, or if you, you know, like in how typically in JavaScript you would probably write like a million if statements, like if this argument is null or undefined, maybe I'll do something different. Maybe I will, I don't know, do some x, and then, but if it's a number, I want to do this, and if it's a string, I want to do that. Uh, and the really interesting thing is when you start combining that with uh, concepts from other programming languages like pattern matching. That's in my my opinion, that's where you get into really interesting territory. Uh, so one of my favorite programming languages, which is in front-end specific, is Elixir. Uh, and you get uh, you don't have a static type system, but you do get pattern matching. And it's really powerful because you can define a function for uh, many different variations of arguments of certain types. And then you can... Cheers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cheers. 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 
and uh, you define different behavior based on the arguments. No, I think your definition, I'm like, hi, I'm like, what am I missing here? I'm like, you've got it all, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's funny because in JavaScript, you kind of, it's a wild, wild west. You can kind of get away with doing a lot of things. And the static type system is really going to help check, uh, check to make sure you're not making those mistakes and errors and hopefully make you write better code. Yeah, I, I do want to say like they're not silver bullet though. I don't know what you all think about like type systems in general, but the way I like to think about it is like it, they're really not, they're not bulletproof, right? Especially like TypeScript and Flow, um, unless you really go to a very strict functional language. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I think it's important to note for people who are newer, uh, it's called static for a reason. Um, type systems are generally constrained to, actually probably always constrained to um, compiled languages. So Java, uh, is Haskell compiled? It is, yes. Uh, Haskell, uh, Rust, those are all compiled languages versus JavaScript, which is um, either just-in-time compiled or sometimes ahead of time compiled slightly. But generally, um, like JavaScript does, type coercion. So like, in, if you want to test this out right now at home, if you're listening at home working instead of, I don't know, I don't know, listening to us at home, <laughs> um, you know, you can, if you add a string and a number, you're going to get a string back because it, JavaScript's going to coerce that into whatever it thinks is best. Uh, which is nice because you know I'm lazy, but there are there are edge cases or there are downsides to that as well. What are the downsides? Uh, like Lauren said, unknown. You can get um, if you're not careful with what your what type of data you're passing around, you can get weird errors. Um, like you can end up with a string instead of a number. Um, that one's know, annoying. That happens. That happens quite a bit, depending on how strict you are, but. The pro side is that it's lazier coding. Like you don't have to worry about as much. If you're just like, I don't care about types, I can just code something out and JavaScript will take care of it. Kind of like semicolons, you don't actually need semicolons except for two or three use cases. I like semicolons. I'm a semicolon right. person <laughs> myself. Me too. Same here. <laughs> yeah, Jem, I think you brought up a really great point about uh, you know, like this idea that with uh non-statically compiled with static typing languages, you can be a little bit faster when you're coding, right? Like you don't have to think about types. But I would also make the argument that you do actually think about types because implicitly in your head, you're thinking like, yeah, I'll pass an object in here. I, the, and these are the properties that I want to call on it, like user.name or something like that. So implicitly, I think you're still dealing with types. It's just, again, like more implicit. Like you, so you, you kind of, uh, you, you defer that thinking, I think. But a static type system kind of force you to think of that ahead of time. So that's kind of the trade-off, I see. It also works with the editors fairly nice. I'm like that's another benefit that it 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 does catch those errors as you're as you're writing. As there are things that you can tie into your editor, so that kind of makes it a little bit better for those integrations as well. Yeah, one thing I really like is being able to eliminate like if array dot is array this parameter or if this parameter type of is function. You know, typing will give you that off the bat. And you don't have to. You can eliminate all that kind of code. You don't have to reason about it in your head. So you know what you're getting in. Uh, you know what you're passing in. You know what you're invoking. You know. You know. You have a very defined uh, interface to your functions um, and event um, classes or, or things like that. So you get a lot of benefits and you get to take away a lot of defensive code that you have to write. And also because, well, in JavaScript, we can't do uh, method overloading like you can in other languages, which is, I don't know. I guess it's good. It's pro and con. I like, I'm in the JavaScript is meant to do this thing. And if it doesn't do this other thing, maybe use a different language. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm alone. Which, I mean, opinion. over the years we've seen it, JavaScript everywhere, like it, it, it's kind of taken that shape where we 
can write a Mac app in JavaScript or iOS, Android. Like, it, I don't know, we're kind of like pushing the boundaries there. And so maybe maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, and it's something I learned uh, a while ago is, I don't know how many people know this, but NASA uses uh, JavaScript to write software for spacesuits. Word there was, a, there was an amazing dooms. tweet about it and people were all joking about like, you know, like, year 2025, like, Houston, we have a problem. Undefined is not a function. <laughs> yeah, I was, that's <laughs> just exactly thinking that. I was just mind. thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about some of the different options out there to add type systems to JavaScript. I think, Lauren, you mentioned Flow. What are some other options out there? So uh, I think the options that are the least barrier to entry, in my opinion, are definitely going to be TypeScript and Flow because they have really great stories for uh, integrating into what you're doing today. Uh, like, for example, with TypeScript you know, uh, or in, in Flow as well, if you already have JavaScript, it's already a valid uh, syntax for TypeScript and Flow. So literally just by renaming like an extension of, of a file, you can actually get some benefits from type systems, which is really nice. Uh, but again, like they're not really, they don't give you 100% type safety. So when, if you do get into those scenarios where you're, maybe you're building something that's very, I know, requires you to be very correct all the time, like maybe you're dealing with financial information or something like that. Space or suits. a spacesuit. Yeah. Or a spacesuit, exactly. <laughs> then maybe you want to investigate like languages like, you know, Reason or Clojure or it or a pure script or any of these kind of languages that functional languages. Cheers. 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 <laughs> functional languages that uh, compile to to JavaScript. I guess something like Elm would be another one. I was just going to say yeah. Elm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Elm has really great uh, like error messages. Guys. They, really they're great. very nice error messages. I think that's actually one of my favorite things about Elm. And we've actually done an episode on Elm and that like we talked through some of those benefits that Elm brings along with that. So, What are other popular typed languages other than JavaScript? Just curious. Uh, popular, like just in terms of uh, usage or yeah. in terms of mindshare. So like PHP and Python are not type languages. Correct. Java would be a big one. Yeah, Java yeah. definitely Java. is a big one. C Sharp would be another one. C Sharp, C -sharp Haskell. Haskell. Yeah, Haskell. Fairly popular. Is Erlang typed? I think so. It's not statically typed. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm like lost. There's other ones that I'm there's just so not many, coming. There's yeah. so there, there's so many. Like, like, how could you not How remember? did you not think about this language? <laughs> yeah. Well, fine. It's Friday. Yeah. Yeah. We are drinking yeah. and we keep saying functional. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So we've, we've actually started talking about some of the benefits to using TypeScripts. Are there disadvantages? Like what are some disadvantages? Like it's not perfect. Like exactly what Lauren, you're saying, it, it doesn't cover all errors, but it, it's, it does help. But what are, what are some disadvantages to leveraging a type system? Definitely for like type system or typed languages in general, there is definitely a, a bit of a barrier to entry because you first have to know kind of what you're doing, right? You have to learn like what are types, how do I type this thing, especially in JavaScript where you do, you often do very uh, complex things like, you know, maybe you're writing a higher order component, things that maybe aren't so easy to type. Uh, you There is a, like a definite learning curve to that, right? Knowing what a generic is, how to use that to type. Uh, you know, func functions that take many arguments, multiple arguments, not just one, any number of arguments, for example. So things like that, I think, can be quite tricky to uh, to type well. But um, that said, I think TypeScript uh, specifically uh, also has like I I don't I don't think it has the easiest learning story. Like again, like on this topic, but 
it, it takes a long a long time and a lot of effort before you can get to a decent level of type safety. Versus something like Flow actually has a very great story for getting good type coverage out of the box. And that's really from the way that the two uh, compilers work. So TypeScript is uh, AST-based and Flow is graph-based. And so one of the things that Flow is, is well known for is that it can actually do type inference on a much more advanced level than TypeScript. Uh, whereas TypeScript, if it encounters a type it doesn't know, it, from what I understand, it will just fail and just throw an error immediately. Uh, but Flow can actually defer that and say, I don't know what this type is, but let me go explore the rest of your code and let's see if I can build up a graph of all the types that are available. And then I'll come back to that later and say, okay, this is probably this type. So um, uh, I've read a number of uh, blog posts that like detail like how that works. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I honestly I didn't even know that about Flow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I can see some benefits there, especially as you're jumping right in. It's and adding it to your code base that could really pay off in the long run. Yeah, and I think the one thing that kind of goes along with those barriers of entry is once you do hit those points, you're just inclined to make it in any type, and then you lose <laughs> all your type safety as well. So, like with Flow, you would do that, or meaning with TypeScript, if you're like, oh, I fell in this error, I'm just going to make it in any type yeah. and, and move on. Yeah. So my experience is more with TypeScript. So in TypeScript, when you're trying to figure out how to type a specific thing, if you're just spending a couple minutes on it and you're just getting frustrated, you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to make it any, and then you lose your type safety, and you can, but it lets you move forward, right? So um, there's benefits maybe to that because it it's not going to slow you down as much, but you do lose any safety that you would get or any type of inference, or any benefits you would get to typing. That's a fair point. And I can see myself probably doing that. It's like, ah, I don't have time to deal with this and just like moving on. Another one I'm thinking of is like, you're not writing JavaScript anymore. You're writing a different language. And so that can be, it, you are writing JavaScript, but it's a little bit different. There's more syntax. You're You're dealing with new things. And so that might feel a little weird. I'm not saying it's a disadvantage, but it, it kind of feels a little bit of a barrier. I, I want to add to it. I mean, I, you brought up my concern with it. I mean, I, it's not as fun as JavaScript, yeah. right? The fun is taken out of it for me. I mean, once I'm thinking about TypeScript or something else, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but um, even in Java, you've got the concept of what checked exceptions and unchecked exceptions, uh, runtime exceptions, right? So you still have to check for null or maybe not with optional types and stuff, but right. Yeah, and I think actually, once you get past the initial hump of writing TypeScript, I've actually found it as fun to write as JavaScript. Um, is so Microsoft paying you right now, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm drinking this expensive Wisconsin spotted cow beer. <laughs> we could talk more about the advantages of types for, but now I'm going to go on a rant about the disadvantages of type system. Uh, I agree. It's you're not writing JavaScript anymore. Well, you are, I mean, you are, yeah. but you're not writing JavaScript that anybody can run. You have to, I can't just like, hey, here's some code, go ahead and run it. You have to run through a compiler and all these things like that, which to me, that's the fun part about JavaScript is that I can just run it, especially coming from a Java C sharp world where I came before, like I love JavaScript because I can just like do anything I want. Yeah, there's a lot of downsides. Like we've had to learn the edge cases, why we have linters and like why we're introducing type systems now. But that's still to me what JavaScript is. And I'm not like pro or against, I'm just neutral in types. But another disadvantage is um, like people that go like really hardcore on typing, like the really, 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 really type systems. It's like almost impossible to code review in GitHub or something like that. If I don't have like a smart IDE that knows how to read these types, it becomes very, very difficult to read because it's not JavaScript anymore. I have more, but I'll, I'll pause for now. <laughs> That's interesting though. It's like, but most of the IDEs are now supporting a lot of it too. So it, 
like I've seen, you've got VS Code, which is doing a really good job of supporting it. Obviously, it is Microsoft. And they also and support uh, pull requests now, so you can actually bring your TypeScript pull requests into uh, VS Code and yeah. And so I think, get all but the to magic. your point, I, I can see that being a barrier, but I, I do think that it's getting better, which is is good. I mean, it's not going to be perfect um, because even something like Sublime, you have to like add a package for it, and if you didn't have that package, well, then that that's not good either. Like Sublime's a text, like a text. Yeah, editor, that's or, fair. Um, I should I just called it like a yeah. IDE. It's not an IDE. So. I, I would argue the rise of type languages coincides with the rise of VS Code. Like I could I could argue that very strongly that when I was using Sublime, nobody was really using type languages as much because it's just not as smart. But if you have like WebStorm or something with IntelliSense, makes typing like way way, way more, more useful, useful yeah, way cooler. Totally. But yeah, when you're just using like Sublime or Notepad. People weren't using types as much because I don't think they saw the advantage. But then I was like, uh, "What do people write? Visual Studio? Remember the old days? Or yeah. like C Sharp Visual Studio? You're like Visual Studio <laughs> is the best because like it does C Sharp so well in types and all this." And so we're going like, back in time. We're going we're back to circle. where we were before. People are like, "This is the best thing ever." And I mean, I I've been so just felt weird. I haven't really jumped to VS Code. I mean, I've used it, um, and I think there's a lot of benefits to it. But definitely the whole. VS, like visual basic kind of feel like, oh, I'm like, I don't want to go to that. I don't, <laughs> it feels weird that we're now full circle. And then we're like, yeah, VS Code is so great. It, it does feel weird. Yeah, VS Code actually has gotten me off Vim for the first time. And what? Yeah, yeah. Not, that's a hard sell for you because yeah. like you were power Vim and like very good at it. So. so I do have, I mean, I do use the VS Code Vim plugin. So it's, yeah. and I, it's, it's very close to where my Vim was, um, but with added benefits of getting all the cool code inference and things like that from especially when i'm writing typescript it's amazing yeah uh, and the, the vim plugins were okay and you get a little bit of that but and, and there again if you're on vim it's like you would have to add those plugins or yeah i couldn't find a mixture support. of plugins i liked and it it is it's you know you're trying to make a cocktail of which plugins are going to work really good for you um and yeah in vs code you just open it up and all my typescript code just absolutely came alive compared to what i had in vim so that's pretty impressive yeah jem i think you made a really good point about like how there's like, like you see this resurgence of type languages and like and as a result also IDEs that can benefit from those things. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot because uh, I think like a long time ago uh, we had uh, very strictly typed languages that were very verbose to write. And uh, you almost kind of had a, this uh, very extreme reaction right? and everyone's like, you know, like why do we have types anyway? Like what good do they, do they do? They just slow me down. They're clunky, blah, blah, blah. And so I think we... we I wonder if we went too extreme, right? We went to like, you know, like screw types, like whatever. <laughs> Let's just like, or like go to the extent of like Ruby where, you know, anything could be anything. You can monkey patch this. You can, <laughs> yes. you know, like it's it, the, the programming language is like your playground. You can really bend it to your will. And then now I think it's really interesting because you, you, the thing I really like about TypeScript and Flow is that a lot of the typing is optional. Right, you're not forced into doing that, and uh, if you do, then it's uh, to my. I guess maybe this is uh, my perspective, but I st it still feels like JavaScript to me, because the only difference is really like the function signatures maybe look different, but the code itself, like you don't really write anything different. You're not gonna be using anything special that TypeScript gives you. Um, you're really just adding annotations that eventually just get erased. Like it doesn't actually change the semantics of your code at all. Um, but yeah, that I, I've also like I used to use Vim a lot and Sublime uh, whenever I wanted to use like a visual looking editor. But ever since VS Code came out, I, I initially I was kind of against it. I was like, this is terrible. But the more I use it, and the more I see, I see how like it's uh, innovating really fast. The more the more I've begun using VS Code. 
Yeah, it's impressive, but it is feeling full circle. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> See, Lauren, uh, but like you're someone I respect and uh, like a great engineer and who who uses type sensibly. I'm assuming I don't look at your code. We're on different <laughs> teams, but I just trust you use. But I, what I've seen is like people give talks at conferences and I see it more and more and more. It's like, well, you can do this. You can do like extreme typing in TypeScript and like they make it so complicated. And it's just, that's something I've noticed in our community. We'd like revel in making things more complicated than they need to be. And so I'm for sensible, like I'm not pro or for or against type, but I'm just like, let's keep them simple. Like let's let's not go down the path of like super, super type languages. And I see more and more of that. It's like, you can make your types do this and this and this. And I was like, yeah, but should it? Well, and I think it goes back to the point of uh, like JavaScript was, there's a reason why it's so loosely defined and there's like benefits to that is we've maybe went to like exactly what Lauren says, we went too far that one way and, and now it's like, okay, well maybe we can tighten it up. But then I agree with you. I've also seen the presentations or talks or even people like being very, very pro on a type system. And it's like to the extreme where it's like, well, why not just write Java then? Right? Like it's, yeah. it's kind of feeling like that. So I, I think there's a mix of, I, I'm probably with you, Jem. I'm, I'm kind of impartial. Uh, I'm like on the fence on it. And that's why even why I said, I'm like, are we still writing JavaScript? What, you know what I wish? And TypeScript to be fair, has this feature. Um, I wish more people just wrote JS doc style comments with params, with types in there, uh, TypeScript with VS Code, and I think can, you can do like an annotation at TS check at the top, which you don't have to type anything. It'll just read your um, uh, your JS talk annotations and infer types from those. It's not foolproof, but it's it's pretty good for like basic function things like that, which is nice because um, that's what Closure did from Google. Closure with the S, not with the J. Uh, they their type system was using JS talk and stuff like that. Uh, like that's really what I want like to me that's the middle ground that I wish we can get to and I don't think flow ever got there which is why if I had to pick one I'd probably pick TypeScript as well because flow just never implemented that because and I asked them to I spoke with one of the the core people and I said hey um why don't you implement reading JS doc uh annotations and inferring types from those they're like oh yeah and like no they never did it so yeah that's one thing I think Microsoft did really well with TypeScript and one of the other things that they did really well is Again, like coming back to the editor uh, conversation, like you don't even need to be using TypeScript to benefit from it, right? Like you just load up VS Code, a JavaScript project, and you get some kind of auto-completion in IntelliSense in there already. Uh, and then yet further, like if you use JS doc, then you can even do more inference. Uh, one of the really cool things I saw that team doing is they now will automatically install types for the packages you NPM install. Uh, like whether or not you use TypeScript. So under the hood, it automatically down fetches the types from the definitely typed repository. And that's how we can actually give you some details like, oh, right, Lodash, right? You just installed Lodash. So these are all the different function signatures that you just imported into your project. That's pretty cool. So yeah, a lot of really interesting tools can be built on top of types. So like whether or not you use it, a lot of benefits, though. Dare we say shout out to Microsoft? I mean, they, I, I mean, they are, I, I was bugging Ryan for selling it. And I'm like, wait, I, I'm like bought in. Sponsored um, by Brian. Yeah, Holt. like Brian Holt's not here, so yeah, I mean, somehow he's convincing us to use VS Code. They're doing great. His ghost obviously. is here, yeah. Yeah, his ghost is his here. His ghost, ghost is <laughs> Brian Holt. Right beside me. And I think it's important to note for speakers or people who don't know, um, TypeScript is backed by Microsoft. Flow is backed by Facebook. Um, so that's I mean, kind of how it goes. If you're ever at a talk and you see a speaker and they're from one or the other, they're probably going to promote one or the other. That's like something to note in the JavaScript community these days. I, I think that is important. And also, should it matter? 
like should it matter that we choose by a company doing this is like so now it is like if google goes and creates something to compete with that does that change your mind on which to choose not mine because where we are but it does i'll so sorry i've been talking a lot this episode um angular is a prime example of people adopted it quickly because it was backed by google and probably we adopted it too soon and it burned like angular one the original angular was not pleasant to work with um but everybody backed it because like oh google's using it and like the company that backs it does matter if netflix released some library a lot of people use it because they're like oh netflix is using it that's just the state of modern javascript no that's a fair point and to counterpoint that i guess when when typescript first came out a couple of years not even a couple of years ago it's been around for a while now hasn't it, it i mean yeah, i yeah. used it like I want to say like four or five years ago. Yeah, but when I first heard it, I was like, fuck, Microsoft? Yeah. Why would I use something for JavaScript that Microsoft's come out with? Like, yeah, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but that just shows how far a, Microsoft has come. They've come such a long way as far as like being friendly to the open source community and, and really improving JavaScript, actually. Um, from like when they first started, it was just, I absolutely would not use it because it was a Microsoft product. And now here I am. You're yeah. Convinced. Accusing kind of, me of working for them. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's paying you under the table. Yeah, I think I kind of felt the same way. Like my uh, TypeScript pre 1.0 was really not a pleasant experience. Uh, and yeah, when I remember, I remember my feeling when when it first came. I was like, this seems like totally not what we need right now, right? Like, why why bother with this? Uh, but it's only been recently that I've really started to investigate types. Um, um, and I actually want to go back to a point that you raised earlier, Jim. Like you mentioned that you know you're not writing JavaScript anymore. You can't like just copy paste your code into a console and just run it, right? And uh, that's definitely a, a very good point. I think, uh, like personally, although I like TypeScript and and all these type languages, I definitely don't want JavaScript to go away, right? Even if like WebAssembly is the future or whatever, I think JavaScript is still a really fun language to write code in, right? You like, exactly what you say. You like you you can. You don't even need to install anything. You just open your browser. Like there's so little barrier to entry. Like someone who has no concept of programming could very easily learn how to open a console, type one plus one, start learning like the real basics of programming. And that's like invaluable. And I wish we had more things like that, right? Where, uh, you know, the front end world is getting so complex. There's build systems, there's like type languages, there's all these things you now have to know to be a front end developer. But uh, I remember the days, you know, like uh, I have been programming for a while and I started out learning HTML, CSS. Like, I remember being so excited about learning like the Bling tag, right? Oh, the Bling tag, yeah. <laughs> and, and being able to right-click on something and view source. Yeah. Like, that's that's something that's really missing, right? And let's be honest. When was the last time anyone built anything of even mild complexity without first having some sort of build system, Webpack, Babel, Browserify, anything? Right now, it's become pretty common. It's and basically one of the first things a lot of people do when you start any type of project now. And like, so, let's give a shout out to Babel 7 now having TypeScript built in. Like, I think to the point too of now you have, because that, that can be a negative. Like, I'm just going to say, it's like having to now yet add another transpiler piece to your build system to now support a type system it can be a painful experience. I mean, it's just one more thing to do, but now Babel has it. That, that's, that's actually that's huge. Instead huge. of having a two-pass build system now, you can just run everything through Babel. That's... That's awesome. A I mean, now it allows us to write ES6. Removed. It now is also going to allow to write type uh, script. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely a huge shout out to the Babel. Yeah. Henry, donate to his Patreon. He quit his job to work on Babel. Give him some money. So I had a thought um, going back to what Jim was talking about, um, like how types are popular now, right? I was just wondering if this could also be because of 
the popularity of functional programming in JavaScript. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, no, you're, that's a good point. Great, great. I was going to ask, like, I, I don't know how long TypeScript's been around, but it sounds like it's been around for a while, right? But now suddenly everyone's talking about TypeScript and Flow and ReasonML, right? Yeah, ReasonML has been talked about a lot lately. I feel like I'm seeing more and more of that. Um, I haven't used it, but I was pretty impressed. Even uh, Ken Wheeler at React Rally was speaking about it, and I was like, it's pretty impressive, uh, some of the things he was doing. So, yeah, I think that we're seeing more and more of the functional. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. No, I actually want to credit, like, React. I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is anecdotal, but I kind of feel like React introduced a lot of functional concepts to the community. Cheers. Absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> in like a really accessible way, right? Like they, they put all these concepts in front of you without throwing the jargon at you, right? Whereas, and this something I'm really passionate about is uh, that kind of programming. Um, is is, <laughs> <laughs> is um, how do we get away from being so uh, jargony and academic and like, like such a closed community, right? And I've always felt really strongly about it because there, like, when in the course of researching all of this uh, theory, like mathematical theories for my talk, I just learned about like, wow, there's so much beauty in mathematics and like how it even affects programming. Um, and and to think that that's all like locked away because like the community is not so great, the friend they're un or maybe unfriendly is the wrong word, but. Uh, they can create it's sometimes an environment where you don't feel welcome. Uh, I feel like that's really sad, and that, and that's why I think I feel like I want to credit the React team and uh, even Facebook, like for popularizing these uh, concepts in a way that's not uh, pushing people. Away. Like you know, use higher order components and things like that in React all the time, but you don't think about you know like the mathematics behind it, right? Yeah, it 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 removes all those like scary concepts is that maybe a way to put it it's like it makes it very easy to jump in and be creating a application leveraging something like react yeah i think i think it really uh kind of abstracts that away from you right you don't have to know the nitty-gritty of what a monad is or whatever to know how to use it in fact i would say that most people who've done javascript probably know what a monad is right they just don't really they don't know what the mathematical definition of that is but they probably used one they, they probably don't know how to explain it well. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be put on the spot to explain it either. <laughs> so, all right, we've kind of talked about there's like definitely some benefits. There are some, you know, disadvantages or maybe something that might make you a little skeptical of, of leveraging a type system. But how would you convince your team? Now you're like, yes, let's use TypeScript, let's use Flow, whatever it is. How do you convince your team to now adopt this? What are some approaches? So I just have a funny story about this because I just had a meeting with um, a bunch of people about adopting TypeScript for a um, re-architecture project I'm working on. And I was in there ready to go to battle. I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And then I went around the two room and I'm like, all right, who wants, you know, who's kind of in favor of using a type system? And everyone just raised their hand immediately. And I was like, all right, we're good. We're meeting on done. Yeah. Nice. And then did it come down to like choosing which one? Or? Yeah, I mean, we, the, we, we did talk about the benefits of Flow or TypeScript or which one we were going to use. Um, I won't say it on here. Um, you can so, probably infer, come, right? right. <laughs> you can probably infer which one I picked, but or <laughs> not I picked the team picked because um, we all picked made a you know choice together. But um, yeah, it, it, the meeting kind of went on uh, to talk about which one we should use and why. 
Um, but everyone was in favor of a type. That's awesome. I mean, that's a good way to start too, is like having everyone bought in. Then it just becomes, yep. a, all right, how do we approach this? What's the yep. best uh, one to choose? And then how do we start rolling this out? Yeah, I would also say like, I would like to take a step back and also encourage the, the community because I think, I can't recall who said this, but one of the things I think we uh, tend to stereotype the JavaScript community as kind of like a, a community where we, very quickly hop on different bandwagons, right? Like, oh, this is the hot new thing. Let's go do that. And like, <laughs> types are so cool. It's all use TypeScript. I think I really encourage people to take a step back and think like what you want to get out of it, right? Like before you say, I want to adopt a type system or I want to use Webpack or Browserify, whatever, like, like before you make any of those decisions, like what is the end goal? Like, is, is that is that is is this choice of library actually going to serve your goal or is it something you're just using because someone told you to so what um, is it solving for you like yeah that, that's a big thing is like what does it solve yeah it's a, i think it's a very nuanced uh discussion to have with your team like i think personally for me typescript uh can help you discover bugs that you don't even know you have uh and one of the other things i think it can really do is you know give you uh, in a way, like free living documentation, like kind of how you, you mentioned, like JS doc. Uh, if when you use TypeScript, you don't actually need JS doc anymore because you can just automatically generate the documentation if you think about it. But still write comments, people. Yeah, I've, no, yes, still absolutely. <laughs> <There's right>. No <laughs> excuse. <laughs> still write comments, but there's like advanced tooling on top of TypeScript. Uh, I don't know how good like this TS doc is. I think uh, is what it's called. But it lets you generate uh, documentation based on the types that you have. So it can discover like classes, functions, anything that you expose in your, your TypeScript application, and then generate documentation based on that. Like this function takes two arguments. The first one's a string, this one's a number. It can just infer that for you and just do that for you. And it's the best part of that is it's living, right? So I would definitely encourage people who are writing libraries to adopt types, TypeScript because there's a lot of value in uh not just for your like you authoring a library but also for the people using it and whether or not you use javascript is beside the point but uh, i've even seen projects where they still write it in javascript but they ship a typescript definition or a flow definition uh, and that is a huge amount of like great developer ergonomics that you can provide for your library for applications maybe it's a bit of a finer grained uh decision so i'm curious to hear what the rest of you think so let me give a, a an example of kind of one area that I spent probably three hours debugging a problem that would have taken less than a second if I had TypeScript. Um, so this application I work on, there's task, or there's a, a thing basically called a dependency graph. And you have to pass objects of a very specific shape into this dependency graph. And one of those properties is dependencies. So it's a pluralized dependencies. <laughs> I was passing in an object with a property called dependency. And everything was failing. And I looked at my code. And I'm like, dependent. everything's spelled right. Everything is good. Why is it failing? And I went down all these different rabbit holes trying to debug my code. And it was just because I had a f spelling error. <laughs> um, and those types of things, I mean, I would have saved so much time um, with, with a strong, you know, any, any type system. Um, and that's just, I mean, a very simple application of, of a type system saving you time. But things like that. Um, and especially if you're jumping from one code base to another, when you're coming back to it after a certain amount of time, you don't have to start you know, going back in the code and your ramp up time's a lot faster because you know if you're calling different methods or calling in different packages, you know what, you know, you know what you're getting out of those. You know what parameters you have to call them with. You don't have to go in and review the code that you're trying to call anymore. So it just helps you kind of ramp up faster, I think, when you're switching 
um, contexts or tasks or from one code base to another. It can actually help even I think of that point is it can help a new team member ramp up as well because they're you, you're getting those APIs serviced to you and like in your editor and you're not having to go look for them and trying to understand them. Yep. Um, so I could see that being a strong benefit as well. I, I agree with you, Lauren. Like if you're writing a library or an API for consumption, uh, I think types like are a really powerful idea. For UI, I would lean probably against it. I don't know if they add that much if I'm just building straight UI code, but if you're building like heavy server code, I can see types being useful. But uh, Kanala, someone who writes type in type languages and untyped languages, what's your opinion on how would you convince someone or not convince someone? Convincing someone. So I'll tell you what worked for us. <laughs> um, my whole team, three engineers, we were at Re uh, Reactathon last week and we watched um, Lauren talk about them. And come Monday, like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, um, I mean, uh, two of the engineers, at least they were interested in doing it. and. Although um, we have not started exploring TypeScript, but there is a conversation going on. Um, I was gonna um, say right when uh, um, Ryan was ta um, talking that I'm sold. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> just, yeah. that, just that one area. Yeah, it was because um, I mean I, I, I'm I'm um, learning uh, Haskell just um, because I think uh, it's fun. Um, and I'm a big fan of uh, Haskell's type system. Um, just looking at the function uh, type definition gives you a lot of information. So step one to getting your team convinced is to watch one of Lauren's talks. Yeah, yes. agreed. Yes. Agreed. agreed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was going to be one of my picks, but I'm going to suggest it right now. Is the there's a React Rally uh, video of Lauren's talk. Honestly, is you do a very good job of like selling it, but not selling it. It's just kind of like, hey, it is what it is. It's it's a good way of selling it. Yeah, I kind of learned this from some, I, I can't recall who actually, it might have been Ben, Ben Lesh. Uh, he mentioned that, uh, I can't recall exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of like, nothing is truly a silver bullet, right? And so I, I think early on in my career, I definitely took on like a lot of very strong opinions, like this is the best way to do it. There's a, the best practices that you have to do, right? Or you're a bad programmer. But the longer I do it, the more I realize it's it, it always depends, right? Like it, it nothing is ever as clear cut as you think it is. And like being able to exercise that nuance is honestly one of the best lessons I've learned uh, in my career. It made for an amazing talk. It really did. Like it was just like, oh, like I'm learning so many things. And I could see there's a bit of your opinion there, but it wasn't like overselling it either. And I think that to me was awesome as well. It's like sometimes I feel like we do oversell things. We just talked about that. It's like, oh, you need a build system and you, you need to be using Babel and, you, you know, Webpack, whatever. And and sometimes that can feel like, it, to your point, Lauren, it depends. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like like another thing that you see people doing in the React community is like pushing, pushing everybody to like, you have to use Redux, right? And then now how yep. you're seeing like people like kind of like uh, that extreme reaction, like, oh, let's not use Redux anymore. But I think... It's not because Redux is bad, but it's more like people kind of abused it to begin with. And it's it really a function of people selling it too hard. Like, you know, this is like uh, the solution to all your problems. You know, like your company will be a billion dollar company if you use Redux. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's even go one step further. Do you even need React? Like there's things, yeah. where, there's times where I'm like, people are like, I need React. Do you? Maybe, but maybe you don't. And I think like it, it all depends. And I think that's, I love that 
saying. It's just it depends because every use case is different. Every team is different. Every engineer is different. What are we solving for? And how? what are these tools that are going to help us? And I feel like TypeScript, Flow, these are just tools that will help us or they may not. They might just add complexity that we don't need. I'd still say our the advice stands that we give almost every episode. If you're new to JavaScript, like just learn vanilla JavaScript. Like yeah. I, I cannot overstate that enough. Don't use create create React app. Don't don't use anything. Like just write some vanilla JavaScript. You get there, and then like you understand a bit more about when you should uh, use things like Webpack or TypeScript, and you understand when you shouldn't. But too many people jump in, and like they see a bunch of types, or they see complex build systems and then they're just like uh javascript's so hard and i'm like oh it's tricky but it's not hard people like we've made it like much harder than it needs mm, to be I just totally open agree. up a console and start coding yeah and i think even going back to the ides and everything like you can just like sublime is a pretty yeah it's just a text editor i mean you can use notepad and just save it as js and it will work or yes you can just load it in the browser in the console and it will do something and i think yeah like we need to go back to that so there was a great talk i don't remember his name but um, the very last talk at Reactathon, where he was exactly talking about this thing, that you're not oh, a yeah, React yeah. developer, you're a web developer. Brian LaRue. Yeah, Brian LaRue, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, uh, I think he, he presented a really compelling talk, I think. Like, And he gave an example of, I think his company is Begin.com, I think. And he showed uh, an example of like how they've been building their applications without overly sophisticated build systems or like uh, uh, React even, I think. Um, and I think now is the best time actually to learn front-end programming. I think the web has come so far, like JavaScript has evolved so much. You can still literally go to any website, open up your Chrome console or whatever uh, browser, use Firefox <laughs> um, as well. Uh, and just start like tinkering around, right? You can you don't need jQuery anymore either, right? You use the native like document APIs or window APIs and you can get a lot done and you can really explore and just learn programming. Before we end the episode, we always like to share pics of things that we found interesting, things that we'd like to share with our listeners. Let's start off, uh, Lauren, what do you have for pics for this episode? So I've talked a lot about programming and type systems, so I don't want to do another pick like that. Uh, I actually want to pick uh, the new Spider-Man game. I've been playing that on my PS4, and it's really fun. Like. Uh, swinging around New York City and like uh, doing crazy stuns is really fun. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out. I had one one last pick I wanted to share uh, on the topic of music, actually. Uh, so uh, there's a person who's pretty well-known in the JavaScript community, Ken Wheeler. <laughs> uh, at React Rally, he actually released a playlist of original music called, uh, I think it's Love Songs to Your Mother. Yep. Uh, and it's like the most amazing playlist I've heard in a while. Uh, um, if you If you like, like, if you've ever heard of the Stranger Things uh, intro music, like that kind of genre, like very eighties feel. Eighties, like I think it's called like synth wave or like dark synth. Uh, there were a lot of really great songs in there that kind of like in that genre. So I, I highly re- recommend checking that out, as well as dark synth in general. It's been like a, a kind of a craze for me right now. Like I'm in a dark synth phase. A lot of really interesting music because it blends like EDM, industrial music, metal, 80s style music. It's just really strange but amazing. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. That was a very good uh, playlist he created. So very nice. Great. Kanal, do you have any picks for us? I have two. One, of course, is going to be a movie, um, The Seventh Seal. I think every human being should watch that movie. <laughs> What's and, it about? Um, huh? What's it about? It's the basic storyline is that um, there's this knight. Um, 
he is visited by uh, death and uh, death has come to claim him right and the knight says okay death i have heard that you're really great at playing chess how about we play a game of chess and while we are at it you let me live and i'll ask you a bunch of qu- bunch of questions um if i win the game i get to live and if i lose of course you get to take me so throughout the game uh, throughout the movie uh, he talked talks about the meaning of life and God's silence and a lot of stuff yeah and the second pick is um, what I talk about when I talk about running it's a uh, great book by uh, Haruki Murakami I love Murakami one of my favorite authors I don't have a Valley Silicon pick again I'm like backlogged by three all right um, no, I think this is only I thought it was only a second one. I feel like the I said last episode I would do two picks to make up for it so oh, okay. now like the next episode I'll have to do three one of my picks is um, it's a website called kill or cure uh, pretty much it's um it's about like modern journalism and how like every day you read oh chocolate is good for you no chocolate causes cancer or like to that extreme um and it's pretty much the daily mail it's like just the Sirocco app and they like categorize um different things so i'm on it right now uh let's see At, so it just says like if these different things cause or cure cancer and so right now they have like articles that like aspirin causes cancer and also these articles that also say aspirin prevents cancer it's just kind of like this ambiguity about like there's no truth in journalism but it's really interesting because it's mostly funny and ironic um for show picks i've been watching a lot of shows uh i'm gonna pick luke cage season two uh probably in my opinion the best marvel series should have been shorter by four episodes but like the character development is fantastic one of the best marvel shows that i've seen in a long long time awesome now i kind of want to go finish i think i only watched the first episode you, you gotta watch like at least into three yeah yeah no that's a good reminder ryan what do you have for us my first pick is a book called infinite and it's about uh faster than light air spacecraft that's going off to kind of save humankind and repopulate a world um in a distant galaxy um all the people on the spacecraft are in cryosleep and this one guy wakes up after 10 years of failed cryosleep, so he's kind of in his own brain for, for 10 years, and he finds out that one of the other people in cryosleep has gone insane, woke up, killed everybody else. So it's just him and this insane guy on a ship. And long story short, uh, he ends up killing that guy, and now he's all alone on a spaceship, creates a um, virtual reality escape for himself so he because he doesn't want to live in this you know spaceship by himself so he creates his virtual reality for himself to actually go ahead and escape to um oh and also turns out that this guy is um immortal so he will never die so he has to create this uh, virtual reality they otherwise he's just going to go absolutely insane on this ship um and a lot of uh, very interesting things happen along the way and my second pick is a song called panic chord and it's the remix of this song um and what's interesting about this is I've always really liked this song and I didn't realize it was a remix until I just looked at it Spotify one day and I listened to the original song that it was remixed off of and it is a hundred, like completely 180 degrees different uh, from this remix and I was just blown away at how good and how different this remix is. So uh, go ahead and listen to the remix and, and listen to the original song as well. Wait, Infinite, uh, just say you have excellent taste in books. I've read almost all of your suggestions. They've all been like pretty solid. What's, that sounds like a plot to a movie I've seen. I'm sure it is, but... It sounds like you should share this list. Like, I want to read these books, too. 
I recommend Red Rising. He turned me on to it, and it's like phenomenal series. Like you just can't put them down. All right, I have a few picks uh, for this episode. One, which is very interesting, is toddler tattoos. <laughs> and the reason that I think it's really funny is when I first met Jem, he was speaking at React Rally, the very first year of React Rally, and in his talk, he mentioned this like joke about like tattoos for babies and how it's like the next startup idea and. You know, it's like, it was funny. Obviously, we're not creating tattoos for babies. But then I just recently saw this site that does, it's called Toddler Tattoos. They're amazing. They're like really good temporary tattoos. And the reason that they're good is like, you all remember the like different tattoos that were available for kids. They were all like the gumball machine. They're terrible. Like they were never good. You know, and I I'm, I have a lot of tattoos and I expect that my kid at some point will be like, oh, I want to have a tattoo. And like, I'm not going to allow a tattoo for like a little kid, but these are created by real tattoo artists and they look really good. They're done for kid sizes. They're created by Tim Hendricks, who's fairly well-known tattoo artist, and like they're amazing tattoos. So I highly recommend them. I haven't purchased any yet, but I, I will have to. And then for TV shows, I've got two um, and both Netflix originals. Ozark season two, I really liked. Yes. I, I burned through yes. that one quickly. And like just the ending, oh my God, I'm, I'm already ready for season three. I'm super excited. I can't, I don't want to give away anything. Ozark is like so untalked about, but yeah, it's such it's a so good. So great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very good show. And then uh, interesting one that I've really been enjoying. There's only a few episodes. It's called Stay Here. It's literally a show about creating an Airbnb, essentially, like how you can do a better design layout, how you can like really do a better business out of an Airbnb. It's pretty interesting. I enjoyed that show as well. Great. Before we end the episode, I want to thank both Lauren and Canal for joining us. Thank you for joining us as guests. It was a pleasure having you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can best get in touch with me on Twitter. My handle is sugarpirate with an underscore. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> but I'm pretty bad at reserving usernames. Uh, yeah, Sugar Pirate with an underscore at the end. So Twitter as well. And my handle, I believe, is do underscore I underscore need underscore one. Do I need one? Something like that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is hard to come up with Twitter handles. So I'm like, that, that's good. Mine's at Jem Young. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sorry. But like, my name is pretty generic. I can't get Ryan Burgess, you know. That's really? just. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I Also, I when I first started... I was I adopted Twitter pretty early, but at that time it was felt weird to put my real name on uh, the internet. So um, <laughs> I have changed it, but I still I couldn't get Ryan Burgess. Ryan, what's your Twitter? Uh, I am bittersweet Ryan, and I'm at Burgess D Ryan. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour podcast on whatever you choose to listen to podcasts on, and you can follow Front End Happy Hour at on Twitter at Front End HH. Any last words? Functional? Functional. 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 Cheers. Cheers.